Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. God makes available by His divine liberality is a source of grace. Grace can be simply explained receiving something that you don't deserve. Receiving a blessing that you don't deserve. Receiving a gift that you don't deserve. And because of grace, we are able to obtain God's love and God's mercy, God's forgiveness, God's wisdom, God's knowledge. I mean, we could go on and on and on. And all the blessings that God gives us is because He is gracious. Without His grace, everything that we hold dear in our relationship with Jesus Christ becomes weak, and I believe even unreliable. For without grace, we are tempted to live and walk in this lifetime by our own strength and power. But I believe that grace can help us rely on him and see the strength of Christ and also the reliability of our God. I heard about Freddie and the Lord stood together to observe a baseball game. The Lord's team was playing Satan's team. The Lord's team was at bat. The score was tied 0-0 zero to zero, and he was the bottom of the ninth inning with two outs. They continued to watch a batter step up to the plate named Love, L-O-V-E. Love swung at the first pitch and hit a single because love never fails. The next batter was named Faith, who also got a single because Faith works with love, has to follow love. The next batter was named Golly Wisdom, and Satan wound up and threw the first pitch, and Golly Wisdom looked it over and let it pass, ball one. Three more pitches and godly wisdom walk because he never swings at what Satan throws. The bases were loaded now, and the Lord then turned to Freddie and told him that he was now going to bring his star player for the game. Up to the plate, step grace. Freddie said, he sure doesn't look much, Lord. Satan's whole team relaxed when they saw grace, thinking he had won the game. Satan wound up and fired his first pitch to shock of everyone. Grace hit the ball harder than faith, harder than love. The roaring crowd went wild as the ball continued over the fence to get a home run. The Lord's team won the game. The Lord then asked Freddie if he knew why love, faith, and godly wisdom could get on bases but couldn't win the game. Freddie answered that he didn't know why, and the Lord explained, if your love and faith and maybe even wisdom had won the game, you might think that you had done it by yourself, but with grace has no room for you. Love, faith, and wisdom will get you on basis, but only my grace can get you home. You know, John Newton wrote, through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. Says grace had brought me safe thus far. And grace will lead me home. You know, by grace we're saved. And by grace we claim heaven as our home. And it's not our strength and it's not what we do. And thank God for faith. Thank God for godly wisdom. Thank God even for love. And these are wonderful gifts that God gives us. But there is no power in those things unless there is grace. God's grace gives us that strength, and God gives us that assurance, knowing that this is the Lord's work, that this is the Lord's uh, doing and Lord's will. 
Oh, ladies and gentlemen, the importance of grace must be renewed in our hearts and minds every single days of our lives because that's where the truly the power of God is sufficient. For it's by grace we're living and walking and being blessed by our God. And, and His grace is always sufficient, my friend. Let us always remind ourselves of that. Someone wrote, uh, wrote concerning this topic, A man can no more take in a supply of grace for the future than he can eat enough today to last him for the next six months or take sufficient air into his lung at once to sustain life for a week to come. Like so, God supplies his boundless stores of grace from day to day as we need it. Ladies and gentlemen, the grace of God, I believe, is new every morning and we need to always be refreshed and be renewed by his grace every single day. As much as we eat every day, as much as we take our breath every day, we must have this wonderful grace be renewed and also uh, take over our lives because it is always sufficient. It is always abundant. Jesus Christ said to Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, and he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. You see, Paul thought that maybe his prayer and maybe his dedication will remove the thorns from him. But God said, no, I want those thorns to be there for you to realize, not you, Paul, but it is me. It is me. And my grace is sufficient for you. And ladies and gentlemen, every single day of your life, you need God's grace. And God provides that. And I believe that we need to be uh, always uh, soaked in this wonderful blessing and always be dedicated in this blessing. And let us always remind ourselves of it. Oh, God's grace is always enough. I love these verses. His grace is enough to be abundant. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 14, And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. And also, the Bible says that His grace is enough to be many and be various. So the Bible also says in 1 Peter 4, 10, As good stewards of the manifold grace of God, and His grace is enough to be exceedingly rich. In Ephesians 2, 7, That in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of grace, in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. And the Bible also says his grace is enough for us in Titus 2.11. For the grace of God bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. And thank God, ladies and gentlemen, that his grace is not partial. It's not respect to a person. His grace is sufficient to cover everybody in this world. And he wants it for everybody in this world. He wants it for you. He wants it for your family. And we must claim this grace that is so abundant and it is so available. Oh, His grace is enough to always win over sin as well. In Romans 5.20, moreover, the law enter and the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. I don't know what sin you're struggling with today. And I don't know what sin you are always feeling guilty of. And I'm sure there must be time of repentance. But always find grace right after it. Because His grace is sufficient to have victory over your sin as well. Let us never be defeated by the discouragement that maybe the devil gives us and maybe our own insecurity gives us and maybe fear gives us. Let us be a, 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 always a, 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 be uh, filled with the grace of God in our lives and, and let us always recognize that his grace is enough. Oh, we need to remember his grace every day. And when we do remember his grace, we stop thinking about ourselves. And we start thinking about God more. And many people have some goals and many people have some different uh, to-do lists and many people have different purposes in life and 
they want to achieve this, they want to achieve that, and, and they have all these things in life, and they have a lot of do's, and in the sense that they have a lot of doings in their lives. But I believe with all my heart, those things will never really get us far in our Christian life. We need to see the work of God manifested. We need to see uh, uh, the grace of God manifested. We need to see what God can do in our lives and through our lives. That's why the Apostle Paul says, I can do all things through who? Christ with strengtheneth me. He says, I want to do something for Christ, but I must do it through him. I must have his grace. I must have the powerful source of grace in my life. Oh, to draw closer to God, we need, it, we need his grace as well. And didn't James write in James 4, 6, But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resist the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. And by the way, grace is not this business of, you know, I have God's grace, so you know, I have the freedom to do whatever I want. No, that's pride talking, my friend. But when you get closer to God, you don't have pride. You have more humility. You surrender to God. You become a living sacrifice. And God says very clearly, God resists the proud. But he giveth grace unto the humble. Oh, a prideful person thinks about himself, but a humble person thinks about God. And I think about the great example of the Pharisee and the publican. And the Pharisee was praying to the Lord, Oh, look at all the tithes that I've done. Look at all the givings that I've done. Look at all the obedience that I've done. And then we see on the other corner a publican just smiting his chest and saying, Lord, I am a sinner. I am a wicked sinner. And Jesus Christ said, that man, the latter man, the publican, was more justified than the Pharisee. That man who humbled himself got closer to God than this man who was spilling out all the things that he was doing in his pride. You see, ladies and gentlemen, we need to make sure we're humble so that we may receive the fullness of his grace, so that we may get closer to the Lord. Oh, we need to remember his grace, be humble, and God will give us more grace. I don't know about you, I want more of God's grace. I don't want just little of it, and maybe it's just from day to day. No, I want all of it, and I want the fullness of it, and I want to get closer to God than ever before. Oh, how we can remember His grace as we live and walk. And I'll share with you three spiritual remembrance of God's grace, how we need to be filled with it. First of all, let us remember that His grace re-identifies us. That his grace re-identifies us in verse 9. For I am the least of the apostles, and not me to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. The grace of God is able to transform people's lives. And I have been changed by the grace of God. I was undeserving, I was unworthy, and I was unfit. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, like the apostle Paul said. And he has changed my life, and he has done the same thing for you. Apostle Paul had clearly a memory of who he was. He was a persecutor, and uh, he wrote another epistle in 1 Timothy 1.13, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious. That word blasphemer meaning a person who opposes truth verbally, and a persecutor, a person who brings his oppression and torment on others, an injurious person who brings physical harm to people, and even to bring him to death. And that was Saul. The meaning of the name was desire, but Saul's life changed 
change 180 degrees at the Damascus Row, and Christ met him there. And instead of blaspheming, he was preaching. Instead of persecuting the church, he was planting churches. Instead of bringing harm, he was bringing edification and encouragement. So Paul writes, and he says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. God has changed my life. You know, Paul, that meaning, it means small. It means little. What was his name before? Desired. I mean, he could really soak himself into his own pride, thinking, oh, I am special. Look what I'm doing. And he also wrote in Philippians chapter 3 that he was a Hebrew of the Hebrew of tribe of Benjamin, a Pharisee, touching the law. I mean, blameless. I mean, he had a lot of pride. But when he, when he met Christ, he saw who he was, a sinner, condemned to go to the lake of fire. And he saw the grace of God. And he got saved, and his life changed. And he writes, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And ladies and gentlemen, like Paul, the grace of God was sufficient to change our lives too. We have been changed by the grace of God with new identification. We need not to look at the old. We need not to identify with the old. For all those things are passed away by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, if you could read this, read this verse with me together if you can. Ready? Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. You know, some might want to question a person's life based on their past. But ladies and gentlemen, the questioning is not the accusation to one's past, but I believe an accusation to the grace of God. One night in a church service, a young woman felt the tug of God at her heart. She responded to God's call and received Christ as her personal Savior that night. The young woman had a very rough past involving alcohol, drugs, and even prostitution. And the change was, a, was very evident, though, and the time went on. She became a very faithful member of the church, started serving wherever she can. And it was not very long until this faithful young woman had caught the eye and the heart of the pastor's son. The relationship grew, and they began to make wedding plans. But then trial came, and temptation came. And one half of the church did not think that the woman with a past such as her was suitable for a pastor's son. The church began to argue and fight about the matter, and so they decided to have a meeting. As the people made their arguments and tension increased, the meeting was getting completely out of hand. The young woman became very upset about all things and was distraught and, and, uh, and was reminded of who she was before. And she began to cry. The pastor's son stood to speak, and he could not bear the pain it was giving her wife to be, giving his wife to be, and began to speak. And his statement was this, My fiancé's past is not what is on trial here. But what you are questioning is the ability of the blood of Jesus to wash away sin. Today you have put the blood of Jesus on trial. So, does it wash away sin or not? And ladies and gentlemen, let us never in any way judge someone's testimony based upon what they did in the past. It's all underneath the blood of Jesus, as much as yours are. Let us never in any way be critical of someone's past. Who is deserving? Who is undeserving? Let's face it, we're all undeserving. 
The grace of God is sufficient to give you a new life. The Bible says, old things are passed away, becomes all, thing, uh, all things become new. You're a new creature. I like the word justified in the Bible. The Bible says that we are justified. That word means that we have been declared righteous. By the way, whose righteousness do we have? Our own? No. Jesus Christ's righteousness. That means God sees us as if we have never sinned. He sees Christ's righteousness. The blood of Jesus Christ covers our sin. What a great, wonderful promise that is. And why do we judge one another? Why do we re-identify somebody to be an old creature again? No, he has re-identified us once and for all. We are a new creature, my friend. Let us love and let us be joyful and let us always treat each other with respect and also in the love of the Lord Jesus Christ and let us always seek the grace of God together and giving another chance over and over again because his grace is always sufficient. In 1 John 1, 7, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Oh, when we are cleansed, the old man is put away. We are a new man in Christ. You know, the Bible says in Galatians 2, 20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Oh, the grace of God. We identify the Apostle Paul. He said, Paul, Saul is dead. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. How does he live? By the faith that he has in the Lord Jesus Christ, who loved me and gave himself for me. And ladies and gentlemen, let us remember that we've been re-identified. Now, if you have never received Christ as your personal Savior, if you have never done that in your life, I want to encourage you this morning, be re-identified. You're identified as a guilty. You're identified as condemned. You're identified as a person who's going to lake a fire in your sin, but your sins could be cleansed. Your sins could be forgiven if you trust Christ as your personal Savior this morning. Oh, we pray for those two children. As much as we want to see blessings of maybe uh, good health and good finance and good success in their life, hey, it doesn't mean anything if they never get saved. They never receive Christ. Because eternal life is the greatest gift that a man or a woman can get. And as we think about that, ladies and gentlemen, how about your own soul? Do you have that gift of life today? If you were to die today, would you know for sure about going to heaven? If you're not for sure, I encourage you to respond in the invitation. And know Christ, and know Christ as your personal Savior, so that you be on your way to heaven. Oh, do not risk death and life today. Be secured in the grace of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And it doesn't matter what you have done. It doesn't matter what kind of sin you have done. Jesus Christ, forgive any sin this morning. With that in mind, secondly, remember that His grace should not be in vain. i got to hurry. In verse 10, but His grace was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. You know, we are forgiven, we are washed, we are sanctified, and we are justified by His grace. And what we can do is to just relax and maybe be comfortable since Christ did it all for us. But that's not what true grace does to a saved man or a woman. True grace changes a man or a woman so that he could act and obey and live and walk and bring forth fruit unto good works. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 through 10, for 
For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is the gift of God, and not of works, let any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. His grace should not be in vain. That's what the Bible is saying. His grace is sufficient for you to be saved, and it's not by your works. And after you're saved, God says, now you are a, cre- you are a created being after the Lord Jesus Christ unto good works. And he wants us to produce good works in our life through the Holy Spirit of God. And there should be an evident change in your life. And there should be some good works flowing through your life. And a new desire to love God and to do his will. But many want to stay in vanity. They want to live for the flesh. They want to live for the world. They want to live for the temporary things. Solomon said in Ecclesiastes chapter 12 verse 8. I mean he desired and he got it. He desired a big home, he got it. He desired handmaids, he got it. He desired more women, he got it. He got a, a vacation home, he got it. I mean, he wanted it, he got it. I mean, he got it. He got all the things he desired in this world. But he says in Ecclesiastes 12, verse 8, Vanity of vanity, saith the preacher, all is vanity. And then he writes in two more, two more verses, or three more, four more verses down, in verse 13, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandment, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. What is the conclusion of our life, whether we did the will of God or not? Whether we have obeyed his commandment and whether we have kept his will. And ladies and gentlemen, I wonder where you are in life as a Christian. Are you treating your life in vain? Are you seeking the vanity of this world? Are you seeking the temporary things of this world? You'll never have satisfaction. That's why Solomon said, all is vanity. All is vanity. One thing is needful. One thing is needful. The conclusion of anyone's life is whether they feared God or to keep his commandments. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, I wonder if you're in that category today. Oh, let us not be twisted in our thinking that our lives could live in vanity. No, we need to make sure we live in fruitfulness. So, number three, let us think about, remember that his grace brings diligence. Verse 10, but I labor more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. You know, Apostle Paul was diligent than, uh, than all the apostles. Why? Because of Paul? No, he says, because of the grace of God. You know, the grace of God gives us joy and freedom to be diligent in God's will and work. The grace of God keeps us abounding in the work of the Lord. And the Second Corinthians chapter 8, and so much that we desire, Titus, that as, we had, as he had begun, so we will also finish in you the same grace also. Therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith, utterance, and knowledge, and all diligence, and your own love to us, see that ye abound in this grace also. I speak not by commandment, by the occasion of the foreignness of others, but to prove the sincerity of your love. Apostle Paul is saying, grow in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Abound in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Be diligent in faith and in love, but do not forget the grace of God because that's going to propel you forward to be more diligent, to be more full in your life. Oh, be diligent, Christian, today. Someone has once said, God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. 
And I remember uh, when I uh, started to preach, and I got saved when I was uh, 19 years old, and I was working at a warehouse and getting my portfolio ready uh, to go to Oldest College of Art and Design. I was into art. And uh, during that time, I was kind of busy with the youth. And I remember the first message I preached, and it was a half sheet of paper, Brother Brooks. And, and I preached for seven minutes. I just screamed the whole seven minutes. Boy, Elizabeth, do you remember that or something? I'm not sure. And maybe you were second grade. I don't know back then. And I just screamed all the way through. And then I didn't even lift up to see who, was, who I was preaching to. Didn't matter. I was preaching for God. Amen. Maybe I was preaching to maybe toddlers. I'm not sure. But I remember that time, I preached for seven minutes or so, and I folded everything up and sat down. I thought to myself, man, I'm a horrible preacher. And I still am. I'm still working on it. And, and I remember uh, doing art and, and art, and I got accepted to Otis College of Art and Design. And, and by the way, I only applied to one college, Otis. And that's not a very good strategy for a high school student today, all right? So you want to, you know, <laughs> make sure you get five applications out. You never know what you're going to get into. But I got into one college I wanted to do, and, and uh, I looked at the acceptance letter. I thought to myself, oh, great, I got in. This is the college I wanted to go to all this time. And then the Lord spoke to my heart, how about you go to Bible college? And then I thought to myself, yeah, right. And then I went to Otis. But the Lord worked in my heart for six months, all worked in my heart. And I said, I'm not good enough, and I just know paper and pencil. I don't know people, and I'm not really good with people. And, and uh, you know, I'm not really a type of an outgoing person. I'm not a preacher, and I, I could maybe work with the youth and stuff like that. I can't do all these things, but after six months, just God said, it's not you, Jimmy. I'll do the work. I'll work through your life. And I made some ter- terrible mistakes in my life, and not just preaching ministry, too. I remember one time I was helping out the, uh, the ministry here, and, and we had, I think, a 12-foot ladder that we have at our church, and I was, carrying that out verti- I was carrying that vertically. That's not a good thing, amen? I was carrying that vertically, and we, had, we used to have a big old chandelier right above the office where the empty space is right there. I remember walking with that, like, just, there, there used to be no walls here on that very corner, and I, used, I, I walked with that vertically, and then it hit the chandelier, and then Shannon Lee just started falling down and happened where our senior pastor started walking by at the same time. And uh, he looked at it and was like, that's good. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he was very gracious to me in that manner. And, and you know, just, I was just learning the ropes about carrying ladders in ministry, too. I remember even last year I made a mistake. I was cleaning the church before night service, and I was just kind of doing all these different things, and I was doing it in a hurry, and I got a full, I, I saw a cup full of water. I was thinking, you know, I was just going to go out to the store and just going to throw it on the grass. And I was in a hurry. I threw it on the, as I was walked out the door, I threw it, and then David Dodge walks in. <laughs> Five minutes before service, and I got his whole pants wet. I was like, oh, I'm sorry, brother. <laughs> but he was very gracious, and he's still an usher today, Amen. And he's still in ministry with us. And he, he didn't leave me last year, thank God. And, uh, you know, as a pastor, I'm still learning. I'm still, you know, doing the right thing. I'm still doing I'm still trying to get it right. And I'm just simply saying with those illustrations, you know, it doesn't matter where you are in life as a parent, as a father or a mother, and, and uh, just as a Christian, you're just thinking, oh, I just can't do it. I just can't be faithful like you want me to be. But ladies and gentlemen, God is saying, faithful is that calleth you, who also will do it. He's faithful, my friend. 
He wants to work in your life as a mother, as a father, as a Christian, as a member of Bible Baptist. He wants to work in your life. His grace wants to work in your life. Yes, make some mistakes. Yes, fall down. But just man falls down, but then rises up again. Why? The grace of God. The grace of God.